this is an opportune time for those who put good plans into play. No doubt about it. It doesn't feel that way for a lot, but it is. And one of my favorite lines ever that I picked up in the financial world is, you always buy when there's blood in the street. And right now, there is a lot of pain out there, which means there's opportunity for those who are willing to go at it. Now, I'm not saying do something stupid. I'm just saying think it through, and there is opportunity to win in this space right now. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. And that is the story of human progress. One inch at a time. I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. In today's episode, I chat with my friend Jim Crowell. Jim and I met years ago while Jim was the CEO of Opex Fitness, which is a role that he rather recently resigned from in order to pursue his passion and embark on a new journey as an independent advisor, an investor, an educator, an investigator, and a conversation starter for startup and maturing fitness businesses. And on today's show, I wanted to get the scoop from Jim because, you know, 2020 was a shakeup year and I wanted to hear what his path forward is for the fitness industry. As you guys know, many of our gyms are now out of business or on the brink of bankruptcy. And those that are left are wondering what this year is going to bring and how they can kind of regain some market share or some competitive advantage. And if I know, if I I know if I were a gym owner right now, Jim would be the guy I would call. So needless to say, he's the guy I wanted to bring on the show for all of you. Jim and I dive into uh, the state of the fitness union. We dive into three essential elements of both brick and mortar and digital fitness businesses that Jim feels are the most important things to focus on if you're going to thrive. Plus, we explore some of the metrics that you need to watch closely to be sure that your plans are working and that your business is, in fact, growing each month. Jim is a really bright guy and has an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to running a business, as you guys will soon hear. He also mentioned some books and even some companies that he's been advising, including a really cool kind of coach-centric activity tracker, uh, which I'm going to link to over in the show notes over at coachjodi.com, and this is episode 96. And just before we dive in, since so many of you fitness pros out there or fitness enthusiasts are into intermittent fasting these days, and if you are a coach or trainer, you're probably getting clients with loads of questions on how to get the maximal benefits out of every minute people are fasting because for people that are new to fasting, it's not that fun. So I wanted to share a hack with you guys that I've used for years, which is AMPK activation. You see, fasting is great. Occasional breaks from food, uh, especially solid food, can help nurture and heal the gut like almost nothing else. But when you're an exerciser and you're training hard, fasting can become rather dangerous. What's more is that oftentimes the benefits of fasting that we read about or that we expect we are getting from skipping breakfast may not really kick in for 18 to 20 or more hours of fasting. So, That's pretty tough and even tougher on your recovery if you spent your morning swinging kettlebells or sprinting on your fan bike in the garage. So back to fasting, one of the reasons that we need to fast for such an extended time in order to get the real benefits is simply that's how long it takes your body to make that shift naturally 
away from glucose and into its most highly charged fat-burning mode. And that mode is the AMPK metabolic pathway, which not only boosts your metabolism and helps you burn more fat, but it also cleans out old and damaged cells to make room for new healthier cells, which means cleaner and more efficient energy production and fitness. And the product I use that enables me to either fast less or not at all when I'm training hard, but still activate my fat-burning mode and maximize my health and fitness at the same time is called AMPK Charge. This liposomal instantly absorbed in the mouth formula combines some of the strongest AMPK nutraceuticals out there, including quercetin, resveratrol, berberine. These things catapult you into a healthier, fasted state, regardless of how many hours it's been since your last meal. So go check out this game-changing product over at coachjodi.com slash A-M-P-K and learn some more about this awesome product and as always, get a very special discount. And also, since most of the fitness pros out there listening to this show right now are probably consuming some form of a high-protein keto or even low-to-moderate carb diet, and since everybody on the planet is looking to give their immune system any upgrades possible with the current crisis, know that immunity and nutrient breakdown and assimilation depends on a healthy and robust gut. P3OM are probiotics that Improve your digestion and your nutrient absorption, helping your digestive tract and immune system stay strong and healthy. In fact, these are patented proteolytic probiotics that are especially effective at breaking down proteins in the diet, which make it critical for athletes consuming a lot of meats that are tough to break down, including plant proteins. Plant proteins often need enzymes and probiotics in in order to make those proteins go to work for you because ancestrally and looking back in time, I don't think we ate that many peas at one time. And that's what most of those protein powders are. So you need a big time robust gut in order to do anything with those proteins. So P3OM is a transient probiotic that eliminates bad bacteria fast, eats up excess sugar, which further supports your AMPK pathway that I just mentioned, and also protects your gut from inflammation and even viruses. So while many other probiotics in the market don't even survive your own stomach acid, P3OM are fully tested to make sure the probiotic strains not only survive in your body, but also don't compete with each other. So you're as protected as possible from the growth of bad bacteria and other pathogens. And while other probiotics require refrigeration and often die in the transport to you, P3OM doesn't require refrigeration at all. It's also been clinically proven to give you more energy, less bloating, more mental clarity, and push your metabolism into that fat-burning mode. So if you're ready to boost your immune system, have healthier digestion, and burn more fat, head on over to bioptimizers.com stacked and save an additional 10% off the already special pricing for my listeners with code STACKED10. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash stacked. All right, guys. Now, let us dive into this show with Mr. Jim Crowell. Jim, hey, man. Thank you so much for coming back here. And, you know, listeners obviously are not aware, but we've, we recorded an absolutely fantastic show and uh, the file was corrupted. I had 
all sorts of different people that know how to do this stuff, look at it, try to save it, send, sent the memory card across the country to get it looked at. And there was no saving it. And I was, you know, took me a few months to get over it, but, um, you know, I, I worked up the courage to ask you to come back. So Jim, what's <laughs> happening, man? Not much, man. If, if there's, if I know anything about storytelling, it's, this is a great way to start a show because people are going to be just fired up for this conversation. <laughs> so, you know, I think we're going to have a good time. Yeah, man. Everyone knows how like devastating it is to lose something you work on and, you know, you, you know, especially that show, just because we've got so many fitness enthusiasts, trainers, a lot of people working in fitness, uh, you know, listening to this show right now. And, um, you know, you as a guy that, you know, was the CEO of a, of a very large successful fitness company. And now he's off on his own doing it and, and working with all sorts of other companies and, and, you know, just one of the brightest minds in the space. It's, you know, this show and that show, I think the value is just going to be spectacular. So I hope people are at the edge of their seats. Me too. Me too. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, well, let's kind of dive in here now. Uh, for folks that that may not know you, and you know, we'll link to all of your social media and websites and things uh, in the show notes, of course. But um, you know, your background—if you could just kind of give us a little bit of it, Jim—and and then we can kind of dive into whatever comes up. But what, tell tell us about the last ten years or so of your life. Yeah, so um, I I'll go a little bit farther back, but I'll be fast. Um, Far I'm, as you want. I went I went to Penn State, played tennis there. Uh, and so that kind of sets the tone of I, I love the idea of training and learning and how that connects to how people grow. I'm, a, I'm big into the I want to grow myself and those around me. So I was at Penn State playing tennis, realized that I really enjoyed, you know, the business end of things as well as the fraternity life more. So kind of, you know, paid more attention to that, which was good and bad, as you might suspect. And then um, after I left Penn State, I went to work for a hedge fund for five years and was a natural gas, crude oil, RBOP, gasoline, heating oil trader. Um, that really taught me how the, at least the financial world works, which was invaluable to me um, when you kind of just see those sums of money moving. Um, I did that for five years and, and then I realized that I, that took me down to Austin, Texas, by the way. Um, and then in Austin, I realized I wanted to get more back into training and being a lot more active. And, and I found CrossFit and literally fell in love with it, as many other people in CrossFit would describe. It just kind of struck the chord of, I can sort of make this what I want. It was fun. Um, I don't believe that I was over training. You know, there's certainly some folks who went way over the line. I don't think that I was there. So I felt good. Um, so that actually took me out of the hedge fund. I went up to Pittsburgh and opened up um, one gym with a buddy of mine, and then we were successful there. So we opened up a second one. Then I sold him those gyms um, and ended up coming down to Arizona, where I was. I originally started out as a coach for OPEX. It was Optimum Performance Training at the time with James Fitzgerald, and um, we became OPEX. And over a number of years, I ended up becoming the CEO of that company. And we were very big into coaching education, you know, fitness facility licensing and remote coaching. So I've, I've kind of seen the emergence and the, the starting of the maturation process of this online fitness thing, um, because I was a part of it back in 20, maybe 11 and 12, and kind of started to really understand the education side of it, the remote coaching side of it. And so, you know, we were expecting this online thing to happen. Um, 
and then this year with COVID hitting, it just accelerated it like nobody could have ever believed. And so um, this year in July, I, I just decided that it was time for me to kind of step out and, and try some new things. And so I'm now a lot more on the technology side with the companies that I work with. I'm doing advising and investing, but I am very likely going to, you know, move some chips in the middle, you know, with one of these companies that I'm really excited about. And we can talk about that when hopefully I would have made a decision when this episode comes out. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that fitness is going to stop maturing. And I don't think that fitness is going to move away from technology. And I, even the folks that believe that fitness is primal, I, I still think that their clients like the connection to some version of technology, even if that means putting the phone down. Um, and so I think that the data collection piece of it and the user experience of fitness is going to continue to evolve very, very fast because a significant amount of money went into fitness technology this year because of COVID. And so I'm really excited to see kind of what that does. And, and I think you and I will probably have a lot of conversation around what does that mean for coaches and fitness enthusiasts. And I just think it's a great conversation to have. 100% man. And I think this year, right, is, you know, who could, who could adapt is, you know, the, is the groups or the gyms or whatever that survived. Right. And, um, I think looking ahead and, and with your awareness as to where things, like you said, you, you saw it coming and, and then someone just, you know, pushed their foot on the accelerator just, you know, faster than, than anyone thought could ever happen. And I think that it's an interesting thing because I think also I look at just my family members and things that are, you know, uh, you know, subscribed or what have you to different online, you know, classes and things like that. And I think there was an interesting shift where not only did the need kind of become more uh, real for folks, but also the uh, the openness to try it, you know. So in other words, when when going to the gym was no longer even an option, all of a sudden somebody that was gonna, you know, might have been, you know, more slow into the technological version of fitness uh, was more or less pushed into that area. So uh, what can you know? What can gym owners learn, especially gym owners that might be excited to get their gym doors back open and get people back in the flesh, you know? What what lessons did they need? Hopefully, what lessons did they learn this year, and and how do we kind of prepare for, I guess, the new normal? I, I think that's a a really good question, I, and I'm going to key on a word that you said: is people were pushed into having to try this. My hope for coaches and gym owners is that they paid attention to the behavior of their clients, and I think that. If I don't add context to it, it could leave some folks in the dark about what I mean. I think that a lot of people tried a lot of different things and they had a very captive audience because their audience had no other options. And that's not going to happen again for a while, or at least I should say, once we get more normalized, people are going to fall back into their tendencies. But for one year, people were kind of up for anything. You know, they were up for trying garbage Zoom calls to do their fitness. They were up for, you know, getting a, uh, a Word document with a training program on it and doing fitness. And, you know what I mean? So that should have given coaches and gym owners an unbelievable amount of information about how their clients react to different things. 
And so I want coaches to learn from what they saw. I want them to be aware of how their clients reacted to those things because the next time that you push something in front of them, they're going to be less interested in it because they're going to start to move back to the norm. It took a pandemic for people to, to say, yeah, I'll try, I'll try doing fitness over Zoom. Well, that, that, that catalyst isn't going to be there in 2021 as much. You know, It's still going to be there in some capacity, but not as much. So what did you see? You saw really smart and well-funded companies learning from these behaviors and developing their platforms based around human behavior. So look at Peloton. I mean, just yesterday when we're recording this, you know, they announced that they bought Precore in terms of, you know, solidifying their supply chain, possibly becoming a target for Apple to buy them out, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, what they've been putting together is a platform that has the best user experience around the equipment that they utilize. Now, what have many gyms done? Unfortunately, nothing. They've hoped that they could reopen their doors for the last nine months. That isn't going to get you anywhere. I think that coaches, everybody for that matter, needs to look at what is going to change in the next six months from here, not just from where we came from, and you have to adapt to the long-term differences that people are going to have. For example, if you're a gym, I've heard this exact phrase said a number of times, you have to be tech first or you have to be digital first. Well, for a gym, what does that mean if you're a one gym location? You're going to get slaughtered by Apple Fitness. You're going to get slaughtered by, you know, Varus of Equinox and and these other platforms and Peloton for that matter and Tonal. You cannot compete with them if you're doing the same thing. So I'm all for a digital experience. I'm not though for you trying to compete with giant global companies that can do it better than you. So I've talked to a lot of people about you have to win locally if you're a gym owner or a coach for that matter, meaning you have to speak to people around you and you have to be able to deliver them an experience that Peloton can't. Because if you don't, you will lose to Peloton. And I'm not trying to hurt people's excitement about being coaches and gym owners. I'm just saying that's going to be how people make decisions. If, they, if, you do, if you try to show them, well, this is our product and you get on a bike and you watch a screen, it's like, why would I go to you for that if I could just have a Peloton? And so I think gym owners need to say, what is my service? How am I going to allow for a digital experience? But how am I going to win locally? How am I going to build an experience that cannot be duplicated online or, or excuse me, from companies online only? Otherwise, shut down your brick and mortar because you need to go digital. Why pay the overhead of a gym if that's not the service that you're going to deliver? Right. Yeah, man, I think I think a uh, couple of people just perked up a little bit. So, let's <laughs> let's keep diving into this now because I think that uh, this is this is of course highly relevant and you know what we're what are we seeing, right? Is these these massive global companies that have incredible online presence, you know, they're 
they're putting, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a gym or a barber shop, you know, there's, there's, there's a big, big, big tech company that's, that's kind of taken over. So, so where do you start with that, Jim? You know, what, what kind of services, in other words, when, when a trainer is trying to investigate what they're offering ultimately is and what is the value that they ultimately provide, where do you advise people start looking to figure that out? Because it might not look like what they expect it to, to look like, right? I think that's a good question. If, if I, let's just, I'm going to put myself into the gym owner's category because I'm, I'm, I think about the coach and the gym owner in a very different way. Um, but if I own a gym, I have to ask myself, what can I offer that Peloton can't? And, and, and that question might lead me to thinking, well, I can certainly offer a lot more equipment right now than Peloton can. Because if I buy a Peloton treadmill and bike and whatever else they're going to come out with now with Precore, that's very expensive. And so a, a person, a normal person, if you will, isn't going to go out and buy the entirety of Peloton to experience mixed fitness that way. Um, also, and don't get me wrong, the user experience is outstanding for Peloton through a screen, but I am a believer that human beings have an energy when they are with one another. I think that there is something that is different that cannot be duplicated online. What can be duplicated online, though, is the systematic accountability that happens, um, you know, with classes. So, for example, if I'm a gym owner, I had better put into play, hey, you missed your class today. I want to make sure everything's good because you know that Peloton's doing that stuff because they know if you signed up for a class and didn't show and they just automate a message. Well, gyms need to do that. And so the reason I bring this up is because a lot of the gym management software is getting a lot better right now to understand those types of things. So you have to have the experiences that make your user experience good. And then you have to add features that Peloton can't offer. Did I say that clearly? Is, did that make yeah. sense? Okay, cool. Crystal clear. Then I think if you can do those two things, you're now you are you're adding in the right amount of accountability, but you're adding in a human element that's difficult to do online. I think community absolutely exists online and in person. So anybody who says otherwise, I, I will battle that. But human touch point and togetherness, I believe will always be better in person. And that has to be a visibly apparent part of your service. Otherwise, people are going to pay 10 bucks a month to go to Planet Fitness if they want live but no connection, or they're going to pay whatever the package is for Peloton to get community online. Right. And, and the community piece, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because, you know, we just launched an online community this year and for obvious reasons, and we think that the world really needs it. And uh, But I'm interested to hear some of your thoughts on on the community element comparative between online and, and in person, because I'm kind of in the, in the school of thought that there's, there's no replacement for being in a group of people, uh, in a, you know, in a gym class in terms of the energy and whatnot. And you know, this from, mm -hmm. from just CrossFit and things like how, how palpable that can be. And, and so you're saying you think you, we can create that online. I do. I, I think, um, I love Daniel Coyle's thoughts into culture. So he wrote the culture code. He also wrote the talent code. But essentially, he breaks down culture into three main components. And I'm, I'm clearly oversimplifying this, but he breaks it into safety, belonging, and future. 
And if you can build culture, you can build community around that culture. And so online, if I'm thinking about building safety, I need to make sure that people feel comfortable, whatever the results are, if this is a fitness-based community, right? I need to make sure they feel safe if they make a mistake, if they miss a day of training, or if they have a bad day of eating. You know, I need to make them feel like they belong as part of that group. I need to include them. I need to have conversations with them. The group needs to have conversations with them. And then I need them to understand that this is going somewhere. So what's the future of this organization, this community, this group? If you can put all three of those components principally into your group, frankly, I don't care if it's online or in person because that to me equals culture. And if you can have an aligned culture, you can build some pretty cool things off of that. Now, I, I, again, I'm with you. I think that this can be done better in person. But again, I go back to the gym owner who isn't building safety, belonging, and future in their gym, and they wonder why their community is not very good. So I think, again, it's like anybody can build safety, belonging, and future. I'm not saying this is easy, by the way, so I don't want to make it sound that way. But anybody can do that wherever you are. So if you're in person, you can't just assume that it's going to happen. You still need to build it, but you do have a leg up, in my opinion, than somebody online. Right, for sure. And and from your experience, Jim, and your brick and mortar gym experience, and obviously coaching uh, gym owners extensively, what are kind of the the key points that help a gym owner in a traditional setting uh, layer in those components, safety, belonging, and future? What are kind of the the go tos when you're when you are operating a brick and mortar in person business? I'm not the best one to define this term, but I think everybody kind of gets a little warm and fuzzy feeling when I say it. And the first one is empathy. So as a gym owner or a coach, and I'm not just talking about fitness, I'm talking about generally, you have to develop a, an open mind to the people that you're in front of, and you have to listen to them and try to understand them and be open to their perspective. Um, and even if you do, let's call it accidentally judge them in your own mind, you have to recognize that judgment and not allow it to get in the way of that conversation or that ongoing conversation. When people feel like they are in an empathetic group and and keep in mind, I'm not saying, um, like helicopter parenting stuff, right? Like that's not what I mean by this. I'm talking about care for people and empathy for people. Sometimes care and empathy means telling somebody when they screwed up big time because it's going to be the most helpful thing to them in the long run. But it's important that that is a big part of the experience in a gym because people feel more like it's more a a place for them. They don't feel like they have to be somebody else. And when people can open up, that's where the best conversations happen and where better conversations happen more excitement and intrigue and and fun happens. And when there's more fun and intrigue, a lot more people want to be a part of it. And when when more people want to be a part of it, then it feels like there's a bunch of momentum. And when you feel momentum, there's pro, you know what I mean? Like, I believe that that's a, um, a snowball effect that starts very much with basic empathy. Um, you know, I hear a lot of coaches talk about, well, we've got the best coaches. It's like, well, what, what does that mean? What is the best coach? And what I typically hear in the fitness industry is best coach means 
smartest coach or best programmer or knows the most about macros and micros or, you know what I mean? Like I, I typically hear that. Whereas I'd like the conversation to start with who builds the best relationships. Because I think if a coach can build very good relationships, they can get the client to execute on the program they want to execute on. And if the client executes on a program, let's be honest, man, like you don't need that program to be groundbreaking for 95% of the population to get significant results over a number of years. So I think that a lot of coaches try to become master's level or PhD level coaches in the sense of programming or being the smartest when really they need to learn empathy and relationship building. I completely agree. And I think, you know, it's funny. I just thought back to my first gym and I remember I trained this guy just, you know, year over year and we had been working together for a couple of years and he had profound results in his first year training with me. And then, you know, we became too close of friends and and all of a sudden he's late or he's you know not doing this or that and i remember he walked into the gym last night or or one night and he says um uh i haven't had ice cream in at least 2 weeks and i'm like 2 weeks i was i was under the impression we hadn't had ice cream in two and a half years like you know <laughs> what this this is news to me. And so it, it was that exactly what you're saying, right? In terms of like that trust, that rapport, that, that safety, that sort of, uh, that, that sense of connection and trust that allows them to carry the things and the lessons from the gym into their lives and make them stick, uh, as opposed to, you know, that guy coming in. And, you know, at the time I was deep in the, you know, uh, kinesiology of this and, you know, measuring internal external rotation of shoulder joints and, you know, getting all crazy and assessing every, you know, joint in the body for perfect movement. And when he said that, I was like, oh my, I think I got to go back to school for psychology and learn yeah. how to, how to really connect and coach people. Because, um, if this guy can't give up ice cream, what do I care how many degrees of internal rotation he has? Yeah. I, I think that's such a good point, Joe, where, I'm not downplaying how important understanding all of that assessment data is. I'm just saying that you can't make somebody take a step forward unless they trust you. You know, so I, I think that a coach needs to really think about that. And uh, I, I'm a huge metrics guy. So don't don't think that I'm all butterflies and rainbows <laughs> and woo woo. whatever. You know, it's like I, I want to track what is actually happening in my gym. And so if I notice that my retention percentage isn't where it needs to be, I almost always assume that I've done something less than optimally as it relates to building relationships. Because if you don't know that your retention went down, that means that clients are leaving without telling you. That's not a good sign. And I think that a lot of coaches and gym owners can learn a lot from the very basic metrics that they're tracking to understand where is a starting point to dig into what might be going wrong. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the show with Jim. Wanted to tell you guys real quick about another important product to add to any health and fitness journey. If you're looking to maximize your health and fitness at the same time, or maybe you have some gut stuff going on, or you wonder if you're actually assimilating all the nutrients that you're putting into your body, that's where we started this show talking about probiotics and how important it is to have a really strong gut in order to actually put these nutrients to use. Well, the truth is, even when you have a really strong gut, your body has a hard time dealing with a lot of the amino acids inside chewable proteins. In fact, 
most steaks and, and chicken breasts, you're only putting about 50% of those amino acids to good use. However, key on aminos allow us, especially athletes or pre-workout or post-workout or somebody looking to maximize their recovery that wants to be sure their body is getting the precise, perfect amount of the most anabolic and important essential amino acids that your body can't create on its own in one easy to chug drink or just a couple of capsules. Look no further than Keon Aminos. These things are absolutely vital for maximal health and fitness, and they're a product I stand beside 100%. And if you guys head on over to coachjodi.com slash Keon, that's K-I-O-N, you guys can check out more of these amazing products from Keon and save up to 20% on your first purchase. All right, guys, now let's dive back into the show with Mr. Jim Crowell. Let's get into some of those metrics, Jim, because I think that, uh, you know, I used to consult with a lot of gym owners and, you know, they would ask me about, you know, should I dump a thousand dollars into newspaper ads? And <laughs> I'd say, well, well, you know, how many phone calls did you get last month from the, from the advertiser do, advertising you're doing? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, if you right. don't know how many phone calls you got last month, then don't put any more money into marketing because <laughs> you, know, yeah, you don't know if it's working. I can hear the frustration in your voice. I, like you, you just were transported back to some of those meetings <laughs> you had with them. And I know the exact same pain that you're feeling. Um, I, so I, I would, I, I have to preface by saying, I do believe that different types of gyms require different metrics. Now, there's some basic principled metrics every gym should have, and I'll hit those in a second. But if you're a personal training gym, for example, versus let's say you're running 100-person Zumba classes, that, that, that's a different business. So I just want people to realize like I'm, I might go down one rabbit hole that doesn't touch on all the rest of the rabbit holes, but you kind of have to, I think. Um, yeah. The, the general metrics that I think are extremely important, and let's just break them down to the simplest format possible, is you have to understand acquisition and retention. Like that, right? Let's just start there, right? And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not into financials yet, but I'll, I'll do 60 seconds on financials at the end, and it'll, I think it'll tie everything together. Um, but if I can acquire more people and retain them longer, I win. That, that, that's it, right? So... Um, and let me just, again, just to be fair, all things equal, if I acquire more and, um, you know, and retain more then I'm going to win. So I think what coaches need to think about is what does acquisition mean and what does retention mean? Really all retention means at the end of the day is what are the number of clients left who started that month? So I like to track retention by month and then obviously turn it into an annual number but if I understand how many clients leave per month, and this obviously is a percentage over time, and of course, the more data, the more months of data you have, typically, the better that you can see the averages. Um, but if I understand the percentage of clients who leave every month, then I can fairly simply forecast out, well, how many clients do I need to bring in each month in order to grow the net number of clients that I need to grow to hit my financial goals? Now, I just said that is if I was talking to a kindergartner, but I absolutely understand that most coaches and gym owners have never done that before. They've never looked at that number that closely. Um, so let me try to be empathetic and say, I understand that that is a difficult thing to do and just start by understanding how many clients do you start a month with? 
how many clients you finished that month with, how many clients left during the month, and how many clients did you add during the month. If I can understand those four pieces, that's insanely valuable to me as a gym owner. So if I can understand that retention percentage, which is really just number of clients lost divided by the number of clients I started with, now I'm on to something. Because at least in theory, if that percentage stays the same, if I add 100 net clients, I'm losing a lot more clients per month if I keep that retention percentage there. And I'm saying this because I've noticed a bunch of gyms in the past who haven't ever thought about as they gain clients, they lose more. And it's not wrong. It's just their retention percentage. So they don't think about the fact that they're going to need to bring in five clients a month up front, then 10 clients a month, uh, 12 months later, and then 20 clients a month, 12 months after that, and then 30 clients a month, you know, and we can keep going and going. But the reason you have to do that is because that percentage, typically, unless you take specific actions to change that retention percentage, that's going to, on the average, stay about the same. And I've watched retention percentages for probably a decade extremely closely. And you'd be amazed at how consistent that number is, you know, when you smooth the averages um, for a lot of gyms. So, yes, you want that number to be better, but you simply need to understand it so that you can understand how many clients need to come in for you to hit your goals. So retention, in my in my mind, is absolutely paramount and not enough gym owners are paying attention to it. If you go to acquisition, then you can say, how many clients did I bring in? Now, let's just start with that, right? Like, because in the day of Facebook ads and Google ads and PR and newspaper clippings and blah, 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 like all that stuff, there's so many different ways that you can track this. But all I want a coach to be able to do to start is say, how many clients are now part of the gym who were not a part of the gym a month ago? If you can get to there, you're in a good spot. And so... From there, once you're really locked and loaded on that, then you can start to, let's kind of say it's bullet points underneath that client acquisition number that you can start to get granular with. So you might say, how many referrals did I get each month? I think referrals is more important than Facebook ads. I'm not saying Facebook ads aren't important. I'm just saying if you can't get referrals, figure out referrals before figuring out Facebook ads. Um, so you might have referrals, you might have how many new clients come in from Facebook, how many new clients come in from your website, how many new clients come in from partnerships, you know, da, 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 da. I'm going to kind of just leave the conversation there because I know for a fact that most coaches and gym owners don't know those answers. You know, I, I can go five layers deeper for the gyms who are paying attention to those things, but for a gym who's not, they have to start there. They just have to. Because if you don't know those numbers, you literally cannot forecast where your financial position is going to be. And just to make good on the promise earlier, the financial components, in my opinion, that you need to know are essentially the balance sheet, meaning your assets, liabilities, and equity. And just to make that more clear for folks who, who hate accounting, which I know most coaches hate accounting, essentially assets are what should help you make money in the future. And liabilities are money that you owe. Equity is simply the difference between the two. So um, I want to, generally speaking, I want my assets to be going up and my equity to be going up. That doesn't mean liabilities are a bad thing. It just means that you want your assets and equity to be going up. 
You also want to understand how much money you're making on a monthly basis. That you know, that's either called a profit and loss statement, an income statement, a PL, whatever you want to call it. You need to know how much revenue comes in from what you sell and what that costs you each month to deliver. Okay. Yes, there's COGS and SGNA, whatever. We're not getting into that. You need to understand how much money you're making. The reason that I'm not bringing in the cash flow statement for those people who want to castrate me for not bringing it in is because most gym owners that I know run cash accounting. So the P&L is essentially a cash flow statement. And yes, I understand the differences between the two. I'm just saying that if you're tracking everything in cash, a P&L is more than fine for most gyms, especially the gyms who haven't been tracking a P&L. Um, so those metrics to me are, are sort of the absolute non-negotiables. Um, I, I can get into kind of like a second layer of what is close to a non-negotiable, but I'm not sure we need to go down that rabbit hole more. No, this is, this is fantastic, Jim. And I think, you know, I think a lot of gym owners, right. It's, uh, the books I, I remember years ago, I read the e-myth and, and it's just about how, you know, the, the trainer is a, you know, a fantastic trainer in a big box gym and he has the entrepreneurial seizure and opens a gym and, you know, doesn't realize how much goes with being a business owner as opposed to a trainer. And so I think these kind of guardrails that you're constructing are, are majorly essential. And I think that folks listening, if they just go back and look at these numbers, uh, you know, it's going to help them just an, an incredible amount. And for people listening, you know, these, these numbers that you're talking about, you know, number of customers, as an example, you know, maybe it's number of people that watch your Instagram live month over month. For me, it's podcast downloads, right? You know, did podcast downloads go up? Did podcast downloads go down? And so it's applicable to almost any business. Um, well, I think, but fantastic I, information. And I think principally, uh, you can tell, obviously, I'm a big principle, like, what is the underlying truth that needs to be true in order for these metrics to mean anything? What, what, what anybody in business is trying to figure out are what are the metrics that I need to track that get to more clients or more profit or more cash in the bank? So if I'm saying that my goal is to sign up more clients to my gym, then what I need to test for and understand is what are the things that I do that are most likely to produce more clients. Now, I can't give you, you know, the listener, that answer. That's up to you to test for because I know some gyms who get 100% of their new clients from referrals and they're growing like gangbusters. I know other gyms who get 100% of their clients through Facebook ads and are growing like gangbusters. So it really depends on how you're trying to set up your strategy in order to bring in your clients. You know, for Joe said it a second ago, right? Podcast downloads. I totally get it. He's got a good piece of content that comes out every couple of weeks. I don't know what your exact schedule is, but you know, and his audience wants to listen to those podcasts. And when they get something that makes enough sense to them, they want to inquire about what Joe's doing. Welcome to business, right? Like what is it that the coach or the gym owner can put out to the world that is intriguing enough to their best type of target market client to make that target market client want to ultimately become their client. That's the game. And I, I, I understand that that can feel complex, but try to break it down into the core components. What is the outcome that I want? Let's call it more clients in this case. What are the inputs to getting more clients? Could be referrals, could be Facebook ads, could be podcast downloads, whatever. What am I going to test in order to see if I can prove 
how to get more clients. So I might spend three months doing Facebook ads to see if I can deliver clients. If I can't deliver any clients in three months, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to abandon that strategy, but it certainly means that I haven't gotten any positive benefit from it. I think most gym owners just simply haven't tested and tracked and then refined a strategy like that. Right. No, no, a hundred percent. And, and, um, so I think that, uh, the referral business is huge. And I know you mentioned that, you know, some, some gyms that, that use it extensively. What kind of strategies have you seen work the best for gym owners that want to increase referrals, you know, and I know on the podcast, every single time I do an intro, I say, Hey, be sure to share this with your friends. And I think that's the old school, like go ask for it. But are there any other kind of systems that you've seen work exceptionally well, Jim? So, I'm glad that you gave the example because I do actually want to start this conversation by saying you have to ask for more referrals, period. And I like to ask for referrals every euphoric moment. And I'm going to define euphoric moment as when they do something or make a decision that they feel great about. So if you if you think about a client life cycle from the time they sign up as a client to the time they leave. There are a myriad of euphoric moments, but the first one, and a lot of coaches miss this, the first one is the the moment they sign up to be your client. I want to ask for referral right in that moment because they've just made a decision that if positioned properly by the coach, they feel like is going to change their life for the better. They feel euphoric. So I want to ask for a referral right then. Now you can do it obviously in a way that doesn't sound intrusive, right? You could say, Hey, do you know anybody else who wants to change their life just like you do? I'd love to have more people in the gym just like you. Boom. There's a referral ask right there. And I promise you that if you put on a hundred new clients in a year and you ask all hundred of them for referral, you're going to have more clients than if you asked zero of them that. So the question becomes, where are other euphoric moments? Well, if somebody's in the gym and let's say they show up for 30 straight sessions without a miss and you notify them of showing up for 30 straight sessions, well, there's a euphoric moment. Maybe somebody lost 25 pounds. There's a euphoric moment. Maybe they deadlifted for the first time. That's a euphoric moment. And so, you know, there's a myriad of different ways that you can think about, you know, euphoric moments, but you need to ask when people are open to giving you a referral. And I think that for me, the two, the term euphoric moment is kind of that, that piece. Um, additionally to simply asking for referrals, you know, there, there's more and more technology that is making the review game, meaning, you know, somebody gives you a review on Facebook or Yelp or Google or, you know, wherever reviews can be done now. Um, and so there's technology that you can do something like an NPS, a net promoter score survey to your clients. Um, you can do this with people who aren't clients. It's just a little bit more volatile, but you can give them an NPS score, which is essentially saying, how likely are you to refer your clients to this gym? And you can set up this technology to say, anybody who scores you nine or 10 out of 10 automatically gets a link to your review page to give you a review. Now, are you quasi gaming the review page? Yeah, but welcome to the game. Everybody else does it too. You know, so you're trying to get the most number of high, you know, five star type reviews with the best, I guess, 
reasons why they gave you five stars, you know, because reviews are not just about five stars, the more commentary around it, the higher that that review site ranks, not ranks, but the, the, the more highly they believe that that's your real score um, because of how many people game the system. So that's something that can be automated at this point. That's a pretty nice way of making sure that you have a lot of reviews in the system. Um, certainly if you have partnerships or friendships with local businesses or other coaches in different verticals, meaning maybe, you know, a physical therapist, right? Like if you have those types of partnerships where you actually have, uh, let's call it quid pro quo in a good way, right? Where you give them clients, they give you clients that can be pretty good. I, I want to make sure though, that people think about making the pie bigger for both parties, because what happens a lot is it only works for one party. And so you need to think about, you know, business partnerships in a way that works for both before you sign up, in my opinion. Uh, even, by the way, if you were the one who is going to get the spoils of a one-sided relationship, I don't think that it works in the long run very well to do that. So if you think about kind of asking for referrals, some basic technology that can help you get more referrals and partnerships, that's a very, very good place to start. And then, of course, anything on social media or whatever is beneficial, but I don't necessarily consider that referrals. I consider that organic, meaning non-paid social media. Right. And, and Jim, I know you do a lot of reading and stuff. What books do you recommend to coaches that are, that are kind of trying to hack this and, and trying to plan for their business, especially now that, you know, maybe a few of them are kind of beat up and, and there's a good time for a, for a reboot. Uh, what, what books do you recommend that, that people read and keep in their library for this, this type of content? Oh man. Um, okay. Top two or three. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to spit off more than two or three. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in books, you know, pause it now and get a pen and paper if you really want to. We'll link in the show notes to all of them. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) So if you love to geek out about strategy and how to compete in the market, so to go back to my, my Peloton conversation, then I believe that you either need to read Michael Porter's work on competitive advantage or competitive strategy or you need to read Bruce Greenwald's book on competition demystified. Um, I think those are incredibly valuable tools to think about what competitive advantage is and isn't, and particularly building what could be deemed competitive advantage in a local market. And I think that that would benefit coaches greatly to understand if they can even create competitive advantage. Um, If you are really into figuring out your financials, which I hope everybody is, but I know that they are not, you simply need to go bone up on accounting. And I know that might sound boring, but you just need to get better at understanding what accounting is. Um, Oh, shoot. I just totally lost the book name. Um, Anyways, so I think you can probably start by doing Google searches around accounting and, and walking through what that looks like, but you have to understand it. I, it. When I start thinking about retention acquisition, I haven't necessarily found amazing books on retention outside of service marketing type books. Um, and, and service marketing helps you kind of derive what they call a service blueprint Um, And so when people say UX or user experience, I I typically think that in a brick and mortar or a live setting, 
that means a service blueprint. And what a service blueprint really is, is it, it takes every step of a client's experience with a business and breaks it down. So for example, if I walk into a gym, no, I'm, I'm not even in the gym. If I drive into the parking lot of a gym, and if, if I am now the gym owner, I want to think about every moment that my client is in the gym and I want to create the experience that they should have 100 out of 100 times. So for example, if, if, I'm, if that client drives into the gym, are they going to see weeds popping out of the parking spots? Or are they going to see crisp lines painted and you know no garbage and whatever? And I, I know this might sound trivial, but I see a ton of gyms who haven't solved this problem yet. Um, right when the client walks in, do they see somebody at the front desk? Yes or no. If they do see somebody at the front desk, what does that person at the front desk say to them? And I mean to 100% of the people that walk through the door. Think about the lack of consistency in local boutique gyms that you get from the people that you see first when you walk through the door. That's not okay when you're talking about building a repeatable user experience. And a repeatable experience is what most small businesses fail to achieve, which is why, not, not all the reason, but a big reason why the retention suffers. You have to be consistent with every client. Um, yes, you might have some, let's call them friendships. Obviously, you mentioned this earlier, Joe, but you have to be careful on being friends with your clients. But you want you will develop more friendship friendships with certain clients, but that doesn't mean they should get anything else service-wise than every single client in the gym. That service blueprint helps you, you know, helps you create that. And then if we talk about marketing, <laughs> some of the books that I liked actually, I, I like the book Growth Hacker. Um, I, I know that that's sort of against the whole principle idea, but it's actually built on some pretty good principles. <laughs> Um, because essentially it says you have to be resourceful and figure it out. Um, I think that that's important for a lot of people to think about. I, I've read all the digital marketing books. They're, they're good. But at the end of the day, our businesses, if we're gym owners, are not complex. It doesn't mean that they're easy, but it means that they're not complex. You know, you, you are not running a global operation here. You don't have a supply chain or manufacturing warehouses or whatever. You need to serve your clients consistently and effectively, and you need to have a very consistent acquisition system that drives in people each and every month. That's what you need to build. So there's no book that I found that basically just says those things verbatim, but that's what you need to build. Um, so I think that the principled books I mentioned can help you get there, I guess, is what I'm saying. And sorry for the long-winded thought. <laughs> no, it's, it's wonderful, Jim. Hey, so point blank, would you open a brick and mortar in 2021? Uh, if I got a sweetheart deal on real estate, I would. You would? I would. And the reason is, is because I think that I do believe we might see another 40% consolidation, meaning 40% more gyms might close. That's going to leave me with an outstanding opportunity to clean up the scraps, meaning get a bunch of clients in who want an in-person experience. They're still out there. They're, they haven't gone away. You know, There's a bunch of gyms who their clients want to be in the gym. 
And a lot of those gyms are going to close because they haven't had the financials to deal with it. Now, am I going to think long and hard about what's going to happen over the next couple of years? For sure. Am I going to need to make sure that my operational capacity is economically viable? For sure. Am I going to have a service that also can make me money online? Damn straight. But I, I like the idea of being in a space that is potentially going to have half as much competition tomorrow as it did today. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, you know, a pretty optimistic, uh, thing to hear as well in some respects, right. For gym owners that are open and maybe they're, they're struggling, but they're trying to make it through and they're trying to just, you know, basically get to that point that, you know, when things can kind of come back open and people can start coming back into the gym, you know, they're, they're, uh, I think that's, you know, for some people it's, it's heartbreaking and for others, it's, I think going to be kind of, you know, an optimistic, uh, thing to hear right now. Yeah. And I think it really does come down to what, let's say an entrepreneur, what the entrepreneur's calculus on will customers still demand brick and mortar gyms? I believe the answer is yes. If, if I'm wrong, then if I opened a gym, I would be wrong. But if I'm right, I have asymmetric upside right now because I'm going to be able to acquire clients for less money. And like I said, on the real estate, that's one of the biggest expenses that a gym has. So if I can get a great piece of real estate in a longer term lease, that is, um, you know, a lot less expensive than it was a year ago, I have a better economic foundation to start from. Absolutely. Now you are like you started the show off. You you just departed from your role over at OPEX, and and by the way, you know when when folks look at OPEX, and you know I remember you know the where where kind of you know James started, and uh, you know obviously we can look at many CrossFit gyms and see the difference with OPEX, and you can see all the things you're saying just for, even as, as an outsider looking in at at OPEX. You know the colors are on point. It's a clean look. It's you know there's consistency in the videos that you guys have created, and so you can see all the all the concepts you're sharing. You know you can see them in in you know manifested in reality by looking at OPEX and and how clean you you made that. Well, I, I appreciate that. I I certainly didn't you know, didn't do it. I might've had some ideas of what I wanted it to look like, but uh, just to give a couple of shout outs here, the, the, the architects mainly on the brand came down to kind of maybe three main people, you know, Candace Hudspeth uh, was a big person who came in and helped us upgrade the brand significantly. Noah Elise Marquez did a bunch of design work for us to actually realize that kind of architecture and, and Megan Sweet has just done a ton with everything surrounding that. Um, so, so they were really the specific look. And, and basically, I said to them, we need to upgrade the brand to do X, Y, and Z. And they were capable of doing that. So maybe this point of the conversation is you have to have the right team around you if you're going to make big, audacious moves like that. And keep in mind, I haven't even mentioned yet James, right? It's very beneficial that OPEX has James Fitzgerald, <laughs> you know? So, so I think it's important, right? Like winning in the world of fitness business is not easy to do, particularly over the long run. And so that's why I believe that uniqueness is so important. Uh, I do believe that is a principal necessity for gym owners to have right now is how are you different than what is out there? And I, I don't mean so different that it's crazy. I just mean different enough where 
when people see you or hear about you, they're like, oh yeah, that's the gym that does blank. And the reason I say that's so important is because it's, it's basic human storytelling. The easier the story is for somebody to remember, the better your marketing platform is. So for OPEX, right, we, you know, let's say maybe four years ago or so, we simply didn't have a good enough brand. It didn't mean that we weren't successful. It just means that we weren't as successful as we could be. Um, and, and we were at the scale where we could bring in um, the right people to help us take those next steps. Right, right. Absolutely. And how many, how many gyms do you guys have now? Uh, at this moment, I'm not sure, but I, I think when I left, it was around 60. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So Jim, take us, take us on your current journey. Now I know you have, uh, you know, you've recently kind of shifted gears. You've got your own consultancy and, uh, you're helping out some brands and you mentioned maybe going all in on one of them and, and that you're working a lot in the tech space. What can you tell us about, about your next chapter here? Yeah. I, um, what I wanted to do when I left OPEX was to really try to sit in more of an advisor, architect, strategist type of a role. Um, I think that that's where I'm at my best. And so I, I tried to kind of create my own world uh, in, in that space. And so where, what, I, what I do right now is I work with some really cool companies. One is PushPress, which is a gym management software that probably a lot of people on this call would have potentially heard about. Um, they're really well known for their customer service and they were all gym owners in the past. So they've built a platform that's really friendly for the coach and the gym owner. Um, and they've just had a long, cool past. And, and I really enjoy working with those guys. Um, I also work with a company called Ignite. Uh, that is an online platform that's helping coaches, particularly in the one-to-many space, deliver their programs. So that's actually a spot that's it's it is very competitive, but nobody's actually cracked the code on how to deliver a one to many fitness experience online really well. And so we're trying to solve that problem. Um, and then I work with a company called Morpheus. And uh, for the folks who are, you know, in the Kines side of it, they might know Joel Jameson, big conditioning recovery specialist. Um, he put together Morpheus and essentially what what we were, what Morpheus was, was a wearable device that was kind of second to none in the HRV recovery world and the live training space for anybody to wear that wearable and then to see their data. And so typically the first question comes, it was, isn't that like whoop? It's like, it was like whoop, except we're about to launch the coaching side of it. So we're actually going to turn Morpheus into a coaching product. So the end consumer or the coach's clients will still have this, this technology. However, the coach is going to have a platform that makes their lives much, much easier to understand what's going on with their clients. Um, we think, and again, I'll go back to the competitive side of it. Whoop is not trying to go after coaches, really. Apple's never going to go after coaches. So we have a really nice niche, which, by the way, I'm known in the coaching world. Joel's known in the coaching world. So we have credibility in that world. And we also have an understanding of what coaches need so we can build a better product for these coaches to understand their clients. We're calling it the term is fitness tech or excuse me, um, fitness intelligence. So we're trying to help coaches have a much higher fitness intelligence IQ, if you will, and actually also save them time. Um, so, you know, there's a lot more that goes into that, but I'm really excited, you know, for that one, because I think that that's going to fundamentally change 
how coaches can interact with their clients. Right. So, so are the coaches able to see, you know, are they basically getting all the data for all their clients in real time? Um, is, is that yeah, so kind of how it works? There's two components of, of Morpheus, and I'm just going to jump forward to when the coaching app is released. One is that they get all, they get 23 hours of the day. And that's what I'm saying is all the sleep and activity tracking and recovery scores and training and da 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 that they're doing. Um, one of the cool things about Morpheus though, is that we pull in data from other wearables. So if you want to wear your Apple watch all day and just do training with a Morpheus band, by all means do that. And one of the terms that I've been using a lot lately is that people only have so much wrist real estate, right? Like they don't want to wear an Apple watch and a whoop band and an aura ring and a whatever else. Right. So we want to build the platform that accepts this other data because it's beneficial to the coach um, and it makes the coach's life easier to work with their clients. But on top of the 23 hours, we also have the one hour of the day. So we have complete live personalized heart rate training that can be done in brick and mortar as well. Now, obviously, we're going to try to solve the code of doing it online. Uh, that just simply doesn't exist from a technology standpoint yet, but we'll get there. Um, but I can, I can, because of the Morpheus data that's coming in and the recovery score that I get, Morpheus then personalizes my heart rate zones on the back. So if I've slept like garbage and, you know, ate terrible food and I'm traveling for two weeks, you know, it's safe to say that maybe I only need to go at 160 beats per minute to be completely overloading my system. You know, whereas most other systems do not personalize because they don't have the 23 hours of the day, Morpheus does. Um, so when we, when we go to a coach and have that conversation, it makes complete sense that now the coach has a complete 24 hour per day access into what's happening with their clients. The client likes it because they don't have to analyze all the data. The coach is, you know, the coach is the one analyzing it, but Morpheus sends them alerts based on what's happening at a more macro level. And as Morpheus gets more users in it, more data goes in and the predictive analytics that Morpheus can spit out are very, very powerful. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that one. I think that one is very, very cool. I think it serves the coaching world in a very, very big way. And, and I've always loved serving the coaching world. Yeah, I love it. And and what are you? Uh, what kind of team have you put together over there? Or in terms of the recommendations, um, are you who's who's creating a lot of the the kind of uh, tips and things that you've got backloaded there? So right now we have our main developer was a longtime Microsoft guy, uh, so highly capable, and we have another developer with him as well. I don't know where he was prior, so I can't tell you that, but. Um, and then we have an offshore development team that, you know, we are, uh, you know, outsourcing a number of the components to. And then, of course, Joel Jameson's at the top of the company, and he's, you know, one of the best in the world at HRV recovery conditioning. You know, he's got education courses and everything. So he he simply understands all of this better than most anybody out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the team at this point doing a bunch of stuff on the, you know, the operational side, the financial side, the, you know, the investor side, et cetera. Um, Eric Malzone is a part of it too. He's a lot on the, the, um, he's actually probably going to have a podcast for Morpheus coming out. Actually, I have to ask you on the naming of that when we jump off, cause we're trying to name it right now. Um, um, and he's building a bunch of relationships because Morpheus can integrate into platforms all over the place. So, 
um, you know, for a lot of these workout building systems, Morpheus can just integrate that data directly into the workout builders and stuff so that people can see the client results right on their dashboard screens. Um, Eric's a big part of that. Dan Hubley is a big part of it. He was a longtime lifetime guy um, doing a lot of technology builds within lifetime. And so now he's part of the Morpheus team. Um, and, and then we have a, a couple other folks that are coming on now, but we're just gearing up for this launch. So, you know, I'd love to put 20 more people in, but we're going to have to get uh, launched first, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, Jim. And, and yeah, I just pulled up Joel sometime. You'll have to connect me with him. He'd be a good guy for the show and oh, HRV sure. and, you know, be a cool chat. Um, one, one other question on your other project, Jim, the, um, ignite, is that, is that a software? I mean, I, I've bounced around myself. I bounce around every year, you know, I've changed it, you know, the last couple of years, every year. Um, so is, is this the, you know, deliver, you mentioned delivering the programs, what's the sort of competitive edge there? What's, what's better on ignite than some of these other platforms that, that some of the coaches listening have used? Yeah. The, the big difference here is that we've, and again, we're always trying to solve for it better, but I think we've cracked a big part of the business and workout building slash tracking connection. So most of the systems either do workout building pretty well, or they do business pretty well. Very, very few systems do both well, um, especially at the one to many world. So one of the best examples is, um, I won't name system names. There's a, there's a very big workout building system that doesn't do billing. It's like, that's crazy in today's day and age to not do billing. So we handle all the billing components, but we also have a CRM built into it so that you can automate communication. We also have link building so that you can sell your product basically through an e-commerce platform right off the site, you know, instead of having to take a client somewhere else, they can just drop in right away. We've got the capacity to do lead magnets and eBooks. We've got the capacity to do challenges. We've got um, community inside of a custom built uh, white labeled app. You know, uh, I should be careful. Not everybody gets a white labeled app. You know, it's, it costs more. <laughs> um, but there's community inside of an app experience for your clients. Um, there's full workout building and tracking for one to many and one to one, as well as results and analytics on clients in the backside. Um, there's gamification in terms of leaderboards for the one to many programs. Um, and then on the financial side, one of the things Mike Baglio is the guy who built it. I mean, literally built almost all of it on his own over the last two and a half, three years. Um, uh, on the financial side though, he has built the engine on top of Stripe. Most systems are directly connected to Stripe. So all of your analytics, et cetera, have to go through Stripe. And if anybody's ever worked in Stripe, it's terrible on the analytics side. Yeah. So Mike built an analytics engine and essentially the, the, the structure of billing on top of it, but it still utilizes Stripe from a safety standpoint. So it's a much better experience. And, you know, I could probably name other things and, also, at the same time, you're like, well, this system does the this and that and that. And it's like, yes, a, a number of systems do these things. Like, this is a competitive space. But we're really trying to solve the online coaches' problems of having everything in one place. Simple, but very effective. 
Love it, Jim. Yeah, no. And hey, yeah, send, we'll link over in the show notes to all these different uh, companies you're working with, Ignite and Morpheus. And um, and also, yeah, send me send me those links. I'll check it out. It's the end of the year, so I'm due to change myself. <laughs> 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 nice. Oh. All right, Jim, any, any closing thoughts here where, you know, what didn't we tackle? Is there any, are there any thoughts that, that you didn't get out that you want to share with our audience here? And, and of course, we'll have to do a, a part two, part three, et cetera, in the future, because you've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. You're going to be an exciting guy to watch over the next six to 12 months. I appreciate that. I, uh, no, I, I think maybe I'll just leave people with this is, you know, keep in mind, I'm kind of an eternal optimist. I probably will always be that way. But I think that people need to take a look at where they are today and where they want to be in a year and then overlay what they truly believe the world is going to look like in 12 months. And let me just walk through that quickly, right? Vaccines are going out. And I understand in this moment, people are now wondering, is this going, is, is COVID going to mutate based on what's happening in the UK? I haven't seen anything that to me says that is the case yet, but who knows? Um, and so you have to expect that in 12 months, a significant portion of the population has probably been vaccinated and the healing process has started. I don't think it's going to be over because I think psychological perception will remain. I, I, so I think that people will, will wear masks for a while. I think that they'll be worried for a while. But I have noticed that a lot of people want to be out in the world, right? They don't want to be locked down anymore. There's a bunch of fatigue to that. So I do think that a lot of people are raring to go in terms of living life more normally. And I think that's going to create a lot of opportunities, obviously, within you know, a safe environment you know, to, to win in the fitness space. I think that can be done online. I think that can be done in a brick and mortar setting but it requires a game plan that's well executed on. So don't just sit on your hands. Think about where you want to go, where the world is likely going to be, and how you can sort of meet at that North Star with a business plan that makes sense. Um, This is an opportune time for those who put good plans into play. No doubt about it. It doesn't feel that way for a lot, but it is. And one of my favorite lines ever that I picked up in the financial world is, you always buy when there's blood in the street. And right now there is a lot of pain out there, which means there's opportunity for those who are willing to go at it. Now, I'm not saying do something stupid. I'm just saying, think it through. And there is opportunity to win in this space right now. It's beautiful, Jim. Thank you so much, brother. And, and wise, wise words. And I think sometimes when you, you know, people watching the news and, you know, it's easy to kind of be that sort of, be stuck in a bit of uh, pessimism and and be more worried than than resourceful and and so I appreciate the optimism and I share it wholeheartedly and uh, I'm one of those ready to get back to life people so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I love it brother and thank you so much for the time today it was a pleasure and like I said I, I want to bring you back in a couple of months and and do a little part two here Jim and. Uh, I think my audience is going to be very grateful for your messages and lessons. And uh, we'll link in the show notes to everything that we can from Jim and uh, and anything else that he feels like sending me that maybe he thinks of later. And thank you guys all for listening and uh, have a wonderful day. We'll see you, Jim. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it.
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. For the show notes for today's episode, head on over to coachjoedi.com and click podcast from the menu. If you'd like to leave a review, which I would absolutely appreciate on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you found this show, please do so. These mean the world to me. They help me understand what my audience is gaining from these shows that I'm pouring my heart into and ultimately helps us to reach more people because these platforms like shows that get reviews. So it helps us out so much. If you're digging the shows, this would be so great if you could just leave a review. Also, I still give away $150 every two weeks to kettlebellkings.com to somebody that reviews my show. So if you leave a review, just screenshot it and email it to hey at coachjodi.com and my team will enter you to win this $150 gift card so that you can outfit your home with a couple of kettlebells on me. Also, when you're in the show notes, you'll find links to any products that we discussed. For full transparency, some of these links do contain affiliate links. This helps me to fund these episodes, pay my staff, and ensure that I'm taking care of the people that take care of us. So I absolutely appreciate you clicking links and using codes. It helps keep this train on the tracks. All right, guys, until next week, thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and listening to this show every week. I really put a lot into them. So thank you so much. And you'll hear from me again next week. Take care.